0: As John mentioned, we're going to be kicking off a series um, June 27th called NBC Mission 555. So what we're going to be encouraging you to do is to find five people that you're believing um, for their salvation. And we're going to ask you to do that within five areas, five networks, like family, um, commerce, you know, people that you do business with out in the community, extended family relational activities like church church groups co-ops sports for kids whatever and then we want to ask you to do five things to pray for them resource them invite them share the gospel with them and i can't remember the last one but it's in that um attachment that we emailed out yesterday so what we're going to do is not Guilt trip you each week into doing something that you're not comfortable with. This isn't about cold calling. This isn't about confrontational evangelism This is about a lifestyle of living for Jesus and other people saying I want what you got So okay sound good. We're gonna help you um, through that and it's gonna be a great Summer and we're gonna just be going through The Gospels and just showing you how this plays out in Scripture and how people came to the Lord And trusting that, just like in the book of Acts, it says, and the Lord was adding to the church daily those who were being saved. And so that's our prayer for NBC. Our goal, our mission, is to see a tithe of our church attendance and new converts each year. Isn't that something we can do? Amen. And we're on our way. Well, welcome to week number one of a two-part series on mental health and faith, entitled The Struggle is real so this week i'm going to be talking about depression we all struggle with feeling sad or low sometimes especially as pastor matt said over this past year we have had a lot of opportunities to maybe struggle with anxiety or depression with all the things that have happened in our society the covid 19 pandemic brought so many changes um, to how we normally live our lives each day our routines were disrupted Agree? You know, our jobs for some were lost. There was financial stressors that were incurred. Schools and businesses closed. Some of my favorite restaurants in the city have closed. Virtual learning, virtual graduations, or limited graduations. Um, curbside pickup and delivery became the new norm. You know, with the grocery stores and the restaurants. And in a matter of days, our lives changed dramatically, contributing to this widespread sense of uncertainty, fear, loss, and isolation for so many. And depression was already a major health issue in our world and COVID only exasperated it. Listen to these statistics, during the pandemic, 4 in 10 adults in the U.S. reported symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder. That was up from 1 in 10 just that time period from 2019 prior. Calls to mental health hotlines are up 900%. Divorce filings are up 26%. Attempts at suicide amongst young adults are up 25%. And depression has become the number one health problem in the world, and it's a topic that I feel that we need to talk about in the church. Especially since the church hasn't had the best track record of dealing or talking about mental health issues. I think this is a little hot. Maybe turn me down just a minute. So, how many know that depression is real? Mental illness is real. One out of every nine people. Are on some type of depression or anxiety medication today. One out of every five people have been at some point. Antidepressant use is up 300% and it continues to increase. And what used to take four weeks to see a therapist now takes four months. The Christian Counseling Center in Madison can't hire enough therapists right now. UW Health. Dean, Meritor, cannot hire enough therapists right now. Depression is an epidemic, and I believe that this is not something for the world to solve. I believe it's something for the church and for God to solve. And there are some very real biological and psychological conditions and reasons for depression and anxiety. There are genetic and biological issues that can happen in our minds how many know that biology and genetics is not the only answer there's some things that we can do as individuals to help fight depression write this down depression is not a malfunction of the mind it's a signal depression is not a malfunction of the mind it's a signal it's trying to tell us something First, I want to say that if you're anxious or if you struggle with depression, you're not weak, you're not crazy, you're not lazy, you're a human being with unmet needs in other parts of your life. Second, there's a stigma on depression and mental illness. There's some of you, as I look around the room, that wear glasses or contacts, right? and that signifies that there's an organ in your body your eyes that's not operating at peak efficiency thus the result you go to the eye doctor the optometrist and he says you need glasses now should those of us who don't wear glasses or contacts look on those who do as weak or lacking in faith no that would be crazy it's just that you have a part of your body that's not working at peak efficiency and friends, the mind is the same way. The mind is a part of the body too, and it can be in the same condition. We shouldn't think less of people who are struggling in their minds. We understand when someone gets sick, they go to the doctor, they see a doctor, maybe the doctor prescribes a medication for them. It's the same way with mental illness. It's okay to see a counselor, it's okay to see a therapist. I struggle with anxiety as a youth, and it, Became even stronger um, when Lisa was pregnant with Josh. We were moving into our house. I was t- the church was growing. We were entering into a building program at the church I was on staff at. And it just it was overwhelming. And uh, just a lot of change. And there was a lot of anxiety. And I remember I would wake up and my sheets would be like soaked. And I'd be like, what happened? And then I would go through the day and I would have panic attacks and heart palpitations. How many of have experienced, you know, things like that? And it just was debilitating. There was, it was so bad that I wouldn't want to be in that place where I had that panic attack because I didn't want it to happen again. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And so I remember going to the doctor with Lisa on one of her wellness checks, um, baby checks, and telling the doctor about this, and he prescribed me some medication. And I said, I'm a pastor. I can't do this. People will think I'm weak, that I lack faith. And so I ripped up the, the prescription and threw it away on the way out. And I struggled through. Then we moved to Minneapolis, and it was fine. Things were going well. And then we had a big mass exodus of our staff, just transitioning, getting married, moving away. And, I Remember we were at a strategic um, Prayer gathering we were going to be doing a bunch of planning and it was right after church a great church service And we were together with the staff and and I remember two of my staff looked at me and said I don't know what you're going to be talking about this afternoon, but I just want to let you know that um, I am We've my wife and I've decided to move out to Pennsylvania to go on staff at a church I'm like okay What do you have to say? And I turned to the other staff. He's like, well, you remember God put on my heart and Sarah's heart to start an orphanage in Honduras? Well, it seems like the time is now, and we're gonna, I wanna ask you to marry us, but in June, we're leaving. And they said, is it okay if we take a nap before our meeting? And I said, sure. And so I sat there in the dark while they slept, filled with panic just saying, God, what's going on? It resurfaced. All those feelings of 2000 came back in 2005, and I, and I called my uncle up one day, who's a pastor over in Portage, Wisconsin, and I said, Uncle Howard, I, I don't know who to talk to. I've, I'm, I'm holding all this in. I don't want people to think less of me, but there's something happening. Um, I'm just filled with anxiety and angst, and he said, Lance, if you broke your arm and you had a bone protruding out of your Out of your arm would you walk around pretending that it wasn't broke be like hey my arm is fine you know just have a bone protruding out Um, and he said what would you do or would you go to a doctor and get get it realigned and put into a cast I said well of course I would go to the doctor and get it realigned and put into a cast and he said well I think you know your answer and praise God I had a Christian counselor at that time that came through and so I say this morning, I believe in counselors, I believe in medication, but I also want to hit home this morning that I believe that that's not enough to get through. There's a God component, and I want to talk about that this morning. But I, want to, I wanted to share my story to remove the stigma of depression and other mental health issues, because your illness is not your identity. Amen. Your chemistry is not your character, and what you're feeling is not who you are. It's just what you are struggling with at the moment. And I would love for the church to be a leader at addressing these issues. So now let me give you the end before I give you all the beginning, and that is that God wants you free, and there is hope. The one thing that I told that Christian doctor in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, was, I feel like I'm going crazy. I feel like this is my lot in life, that I'm going to live this way forever, filled with panic. And he said, Lance, crazy people don't know they're crazy. You know how much that helped me that day when he said that? He looked at me and said, crazy people don't know that they're crazy. And he said, I prescribe medication for some of the top CEOs in the the city, for some of the top pilots for, at that time, Northwest Airlines. And I said, is it possible that I can be healed of this? He said, absolutely. There's hope. And so I say that to you this morning. There's hope. God does not enjoy seeing you struggle. And for those of you who say, well, these were the cards I was dealt. This is what God wants me to have. It's, not, it's a lie from the enemy. It's a lie from the accuser. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Christ comes to give life. And I can tell you this morning that you can find freedom it doesn't mean that you won't struggle at times because you may but god wants you free and freedom is why jesus came freedom is why we took communion this morning because it is for freedom that christ has set us free and the bible says who in the Son sets free is free indeed and what i love about the bible is that it's not a book of perfection the authors of the Bible were imperfect people that God used, that God showed up in their lives and used people that were adulterers, murderers, and yes even depressed people were authors in the Bible. Think about the prophet named Jeremiah who wrote a whole book on his de- his depression entitled Lamentations. Let me read for you Lamentations 3:17 through 20. He said, "I've been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is so I say my splendor is gone and all that I hoped for from the Lord I remember my affliction and my wandering the bitterness and the gall I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me how many have read Psalms and saw that David dealt with some anxiety and depression even the Apostle Paul he wrote in 2 Corinthians 1.8, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. The word depression means to press down, to be pressed down. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, that we despaired of life itself. And here's one that we're going to camp on this morning, his story, and that's Elijah, one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. Elijah was someone who struggled greatly with depression. But notice with me that his depression usually came after significant spiritual victories. How many know that that's true? Oftentimes when you come down from a mountain, you know, the valleys oftentimes proceed the mountaintop victories in our life. You know some of the darkest Sundays for pastors is the Sunday after Easter? See God do awesome things, you know, working up to that day, and then the Sunday after, less attendance, Um, tired because of all the energy put into the previous and so a lot of times depression will come after some of our greatest spiritual victories. First Kings 18, major victory. Elijah defeats the prophets of Asherah and Baal. 850 pagan prophets, verse 1, man of God. Elijah builds this altar, he places a bowl. For a sacrifice on the altar, he takes 12 pots of water and he drenches the sacrifice. He drenches the wooden altar. He fills in the trenches around the um, altar with water. He prays a 30-second prayer. And the fire of God comes down from heaven and not only consumes the sacrifice, but consumes the altar and all the water in the trenches. And all of the prophets of Asher and Baal were put to the sword. Elisha literally goes from this event into a season where it hadn't rained for three years and there was an extreme um, drought, and he prays, and then the rain comes. And so, some great spiritual victories, some great miracles. And you would think that Elijah would be having a party and celebrating all that God had done, but that's not what happens next. We read here in 1st. Kings chapter 19, that Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah to say, now Jezebel was the king's um, wife. She was the queen of the time. And and she says, may the gods deal with me, in verse 1, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Speaking of the 850 that had just been killed. It says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. And he says some words that I think a lot of us have said before. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Again, Elijah had just witnessed some incredible, credible miracles. He had seen God's power revealed over the prophets of Asherah and Baal. He had witnessed the miracle of God sending rain when there hadn't been any rain. He had seen all the prophets hunted down and killed. He had just witnessed it all. And Jezebel is upset, sends this messenger to tell him he was good as dead. And sometimes we think that we suffer for the gospel. Just think about Elijah. So what did Elijah do? He ran for his life. Do you ever feel so overwhelmed that you wish you could just run away from it all? I bet you all the hands would go up, right? Right? I don't know how many times Lisa's come to me and said, I've I've had enough. We're selling the business. (laughs) So-and-so just gave their two-week notice. So-and-so just called in sick. I've had enough. I'm overwhelmed. I wish I could just run away from it all. Elijah did just that. But it didn't help much, did it? Because we see in verse 4 that he finally gave up. He sat down under a broom brush and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord, take my life, I've had it. And then he laid down and went asleep. Sounds like a classic case of depression, don't you think? Symptoms of depression include feeling sad or having a depressed mood, loss of interest or pleasure in activities once enjoyed, trouble sleeping or sleeping too much, extreme fatigue, feeling worthless or guilty. Don't you think these symptoms kind of are right there in 1 Kings 19, one kings 1 through four? Elijah was definitely dealing with a case of depression. And there are some things that got Elijah there. And I wanna help you with those this morning. Are you ready take some notes? Let me give you six things that add to our depression that we can do something about. Number one, The first thing adding to our depression is life imbalances. Life imbalances. Johan Hari, the author of the book Lost Connections, Why You're Depressed and How to Find Hope, says we need to talk less about chemical imbalances and more about imbalances in the way we live. And I'd encourage you if you want to hear more from Johan, There's a great Ted talk from 2019 that he did that says this could be why you are depressed or anxious And there's a transcript that goes along with it I Encourage you to check that out lost connections while you're depressed and how to find hope He says we need to talk less about chemical imbalances and more about the imbalances in the way we live Again Elijah's depression came right after two major spiritual victories This reminds us that we're not the best when we're tired, we're not at our best. We're not at peak efficiency when we're tired. How many know that we're vulnerable when we're exhausted? And the enemy knows this. My daughter's like, It's because of the amygdala Dad, you know, right there by the hippo, hippopotamus. Hippocampus? I'm like, What's that? She's like, you know that fight-or-flight response, the stress response. More and more research shows that depression is more prevalent for the type of lifestyle that has become normal in our modern-day society. Stephen Allardy, um, who wrote the book The Depression Cure, says, we were never designed for the sedentary, indoor, socially isolated, fast-food-laden, sleep-deprived, frenzied pace of modern life, life imbalance. Is a great cause of depression. Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. We have one hand filled, right, with stuff. And we think, well, I have another hand that could carry something. And the Bible says, Better one handful, right, with peace and, and tranquility than two handfuls with toil. And chasing after the wind. And there's so many people walking around with two handfuls, toiling, chasing the wind, trying to keep up, comparing themselves and such. And often our bodies are sending us signals to slow down, rest, recover, have a Sabbath, restore healthy balance to your life. But we tend to keep ignoring those signals. And just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Right? Just because you can does not mean that you should. Not everything that is doable is sustainable. And the second thing adding to our depression is comparing ourselves with others. Elijah said, I'm no better than my ancestors. It's like, what does his ancestors have to do about it, right? It was Elijah that was going to stand before God to answer for his own calling and purpose. Not his ancestors, but yet he was comparing himself to his ancestors. I'm no better than my ancestors. And one of the reasons why a lot of us are depressed is because we're looking over our shoulder at what everybody else is doing. Theodore Roosevelt said that comparison is the thief of joy. And I think comparison is one of the um, biggest issues of our day. Social media. Even some of the social media contributors um, from, like, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Snapchat, some of those individuals, not all, are sorry for what they have created. Social media creates an environment in which people are comparing their realistic, offline selves to the flawless, filtered, and edited online versions of others. And doing this is so detrimental to people's mental health. Negative social comparison has elements of narcissism when we wish to look be or have like others We're not really wishing for everything about that person, but only the idealized aspects of that individual This idealized perception of another is narcissistic in nature Chances are not even those whom you compare yourself with can live up to your idealized images of them right We put people up on a pedestal. I remember um, doing this in in Bible college. You know, you you just think, man, these these men, these women, these professors, these Christian professors, like next thing to Jesus, you know. And then you get to my age and you look back and you see that they're human. They put on their pants every day just like I do. You know, they take a shower every day just like I do. They're humans. They have flaws. They have difficulties and problems just like everyone else. Did you know that social media platforms produce the same neural circuitry that is caused by gambling and recreational drugs to keep consumers using their products as much as possible? Studies have shown that the constant stream of retweets, likes, and shares from these sites have kind of affected and rewired the brain. Always seeking retweets and likes and shares. It it affects that brain's reward area to trigger that same kind of chemical reaction as other drugs such as cocaine. It's like putting taking a syringe of dopamine and, and just injecting it right into the system. Galatians 6, 4 and 5. Is awesome it says each one tests their own actions then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else for each one should carry their own load God's called you to carry your load I, I love um, the verse in Hebrews that that Caden shared a couple of weeks ago um, at the youth and said about the importance of staying in your own lane you know running the race that's marked out for you, not looking behind, but focusing on the goal-ahead, staying in your own lane. The third thing adding to our depression is ruminating and self-talk. This one is just really gross. Ruminating is a medical term um, that doctors and psych- psychologists use to describe self-talk, and it comes from the term comes from ruminating animals like a cow. And it's a cow chews its cud, partially digested food. So a cow will grab a piece of grass or something and he will chew it, swallow it, regurgitate it, chew it some more, swallow it, regurgitate it, that's, and chew it some more, that's ruminating. We do this. You ever said to someone, are you with me? And they're just like sitting over there quiet, all alone. And maybe your spouse has said that to you. You're in your head right now. And they're so in their head that they didn't even hear you say you're in your head right now. And they're chewing. And they're swallowing. And then they're bringing it back up. And they're chewing it some more. And they're swallowing. And they're, thinking, they're obsessively thinking about that issue, that confrontation that they just had with someone, um, that problem or something. Man, I, I can't believe I did it. I can't believe I made that mistake. Just chewing, swallowing. And how many know that you keep doing this, the more you ruminate, the grosser it becomes? Just get that mental image in your head right now. Rumination is the focused attention on the symptoms of one's distress opposed to focusing on the solutions to your distress. So when you're ruminating, you're not even thinking about how to solve your issue. You're only thinking about how it got there, and it just never leads to a good place. It just leads to a more worse and gross place. And that's what Elijah did. He got alone in his thoughts, and the story got worse and worse each time he regurgitated it. I'm the only one left. I'm no greater than my ancestors, chewing, swallowing, regurgitating. It just got worse and worse until he believed the lie and sat there under that broom tree. Brian Tracy said 95% of your emotions are determined by the way you talk to yourself. That's why the Apostle Paul said, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things and the God of peace will be with you. And the God of peace will be with you. I think one of the greatest things that one of my Bible college professors did say that has stuck with me, he said, if you don't have a devotional life, like a prayer in your prayer life or being in the Bible and knowing the Word of God so that you can think right thoughts, you'll have a a roller coaster life, an up-and-down life. He said, if you don't take your thoughts captive, they'll take you captive. So we have to think upon things that are true, things that are noble. You know, you have irrational thoughts. One of the things that I always do is put it through the filter and say, is that really true? It may be. But until I know that it's true, I'm not going to entertain that thought. Is it right? Is it right to have that thought? Is it, is, it make, is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent or praiseworthy? No, then don't think upon those things. And I know that's harder um, to do than for me to say. But that's the key to having God's peace with us. Is to do that. Control your mind. Control your life. Let me give you a solution. One of the best solutions is to process your issues with someone else. Call someone. Share your frustrations, but they're busy. Yeah, they may be busy, but they will surely take time to listen to you if you have a problem. I love when the guys reach out and say, hey, I'm going through this, or I'm going to make this decision, or I'm going away on a work trip, and I'm going to be alone with a member of the opposite sex. I want you to pray with me. Or if they talk about things that are going on in their life and their marriage or with their kids, we have to do life together. We have to process our issues with others. We can't isolate ourselves and be alone. Call someone, share your frustrations, get honest. First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just to, to confess them, right? You know, like forgiveness comes from God, but the Bible says in James that healing comes from other people. When we confess our faults to one another, the Bible says that we are healed. So we need others. There has to be someone in your life who knows your secrets. And that someone has to be a believer of the opposite sex. The Bible says if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. So you don't want to share your secrets with someone else that's struggling with the same thing that you're doing, or guess what, you're both in the ditch. There has to be someone in your life that knows your secrets. The fourth thing adding to our depression is our inability to process pain in a healthy way. We all feel pain, right? And we all try to find things to medicate it you're going to medicate your pain. Make sure that you're doing it the right way because there's so many people today doing it the unhealthy way. Do you know that during the full quarantine, the full lockdown in 2020, overdoses nationally jumped? Started out at 18% in March, went up to 29% in April, and it peaked at 42% in May. For some people, drinking or binge eating became a way to cope with life, binge-watching TV, playing video games, working more, trying to drown out the pain that they were experiencing. So how do we deal with pain in a healthy way? Let me give you three things that has helped me. And the first one is vision, and this kind of goes back to Um, When I was a kid and I would have a pity party and my mom would say, you know what, you need to get a vision that's bigger than yourself. And you've heard me say this before. She said, I'll take you down to the children's hospital and we'll walk through those wards and you'll find some people who have a, a, a life that's, you know, in situation issues that are far worse than your own. So every time I've had a dark time in my life, vision has been the best thing to bring me out of that. It just gives you that sense that God's still working in and through your life. Elijah, this was the key for Elijah. Remember, God came to him in his depression and gave him an assignment and said, go and see that king. Remember that? The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. So when you're going through a dark time in your life, it's usually because you don't have a vision. Think back to The gifts, going back to what John says, what has God called me to do? What has he resourced me with? What has he blessed me with? Maybe that's a part of your answer for getting out of that pit. Number two, be a part of a community of friends who love you unconditionally. I'm not talking about your 400 Facebook friends. I'm talking about what the two or three that are going to stick with you throughout life. I'm talking about those who will show up if they outlive you and stand around your deathbed. Those types of friends. Those types of friends who are willing to get in your grill, you know? It's like my football coach when I said, Coach Slaughter, I give up. I have asthma. I'm allergic to the pine trees. You can't make me run anymore. And he said, "Rates, you don't have asthma. You're not allergic to anything. And I'm not going to let you quit. And he would grab my face mask, and he would scream at me. But I knew deep down that he was doing it for the best. You need friends like that. And let me just add that there's levels to friendship too. The deeper you get, the closer you become, the more conflict you're going to work through and the stronger your bond's going to be. So don't give up when the going gets tough. Fight through because that's a friend that's going to stick with you for life. Number three... Take whatever suffering you experience and find the positive in it. Ask, how can I turn this tragedy into a triumph? How can I turn this mess that I'm in into a ministry? Learn from your pain. Nick Vajusic, that limbless evangelist over in Australia that goes around preaching. You know, that's an inspiration for all of us. Johnny Erickson Tata. Paralyzed but still proclaiming the truth, they've found a way to turn their tragedy into a triumph, their mess into a ministry. And these ingredients are summed up in 2 Corinthians 1, 4 and 6. It says, God comforts us all in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort. Paul is saying it's for your comfort that I go through things. And for your salvation, if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. There's just something that, you know, just knowing that there's someone else that's went through your pain, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? You know, just sitting in a men's group or a women's group and having people share and think, you think like that? You had that thought? You went through that? Maybe I'm not crazy. There's purpose in your pain. The fifth thing, adding to our depression, is isolation and loneliness. First Kings 19.3, Elijah, then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba. Do you know that Beersheba was a place that he originally received his call? Elijah went back there, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there, and then he said that he ran out into the wilderness alone. He left his servant there at Beersheba and ran out into the wilderness alone. The first problem in the Bible wasn't sin, it was solitude. God said it's not good for man to be alone. We need each other. Romans twelve five says, since we are all one body. That has just struck me recently. We're all one body. We're not, he didn't say we're all one part. Body. Just get that. Body. We're a body. We're the body of Christ. We need one another. It's one thing that I hated and still hate about COVID-19. And all the orders, you can't socially distance yourself from others. You can't physically distance yourself from others. We belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others for the body to be healthy. For the body to be healthy. Turn to the person next to you and say, we, we need each other. I need you. Number six, this is a key one, spiritual warfare. This one gets forgotten. We're not human beings having temporary spiritual experiences. We're not human beings having temporary spiritual experiences. We are spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. You are a spirit being. Ephesians one. Heavenly realms right and there's a war going on in the spiritual realm led by an enemy who hates you What would you be willing to do if I told you that tonight someone was going to break into your house? What would you do to prepare Look back at Greg because I know what he would do If I told you tonight that someone was going to break in your house, what would you be willing to do? 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter says, resist him. Stand firm in the faith. Listen, the devil is working harder to destroy you than some of you are to keep it from happening. Did you get that? The devil is working harder to destroy you than some of you are keeping it from happening. Paul said, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It's so perplexing when I talk and share the gospel with those that are, aren't Christians, and, and they'll, they'll say things like, That's scary, that's spooky. And yet the same individuals will be, I'll, I'll see them talking, they'll talk about at Halloween time wanting to go to a haunted house or, or they want to dabble with this or they want to, um, you know, do something New Ages with tarot cards and, and seances and talk to the dead. And I'm like, that's spooky. <laughs> We're spiritual beings. We have an enemy. And God has given us authority, but we have to use it. So there are things that add to our depression. Six things that I gave you this morning. Next week, I'm going to give you five things to lead us out. But I want you to stand with me right now. and We're going to close and pray. If I can have the worship team come. And again, I want to just end by saying that I do believe that there's a place for counselors and medication. Sometimes you need that so that you can be at a place where you can focus on this stuff, break that chain. But God didn't send his only son for you to continue to struggle. He wants freedom for you. So, Father, right now, as we bow our heads, we pray and close our service this morning. Lord, as I sought you and prayed what you would have me to talk about in these two weeks before we kick off our new sermon series, you kept bringing Philippians forward to my mind the God of peace, the God of peace. So, Lord, in obedience to the prompting of your Holy Spirit, I just pray peace over Metro Believers Church, Lord. I pray peace over those who are joining us online right now, and I pray wholeness in Jesus' name. Father, pray that we can remove this stigma and that we can be open and honest and confess. Confess the things that we struggle with with one another. Share our secrets so that we might be healed. The devil wants us isolated and, and alone because that's how a lion attacks its prey, through isolation and aloneness. And we've seen this over the last year. And Lord, we turn and we look out the window and we see our city and we pray peace over our city. We pray wholeness over our city. We pray against the spirit of depression and anxiety in the name of Jesus that that chains will be broke. And we pray that as we go into the summer and and now that we are more free, Lord, and and around people. I just pray, Lord, that you would equip us with the good news. All these things that we've been storing up, Lord, I pray that you would send us forth as ambassadors. Lord, as Ruby said in in her verse, Lord, that we are ambassadors of reconciliation. I pray that people's lives be reconciled back to you, Jesus. And that they would see the lie for what it is. I pray, Lord, that even um, as we see, Lord, um, throughout our nation, I pray that the enemy, Lord, would be exposed for the liar that he is, the accuser that he is. And I pray for truth. I pray for truth. Thank you, Lord, that you willingly died upon the cross, that you willingly shed blood, Lord. You will only allow your body to be broken and bruised for us. Thank you, Lord, that you took our pain. Lord, that you were touched with our iniquities, that you've experienced it all so that we could be free. So help us to walk in that freedom and have that peace that the Bible says surpasses all human understanding. When others would say, how can you be at peace? You don't have any limbs. <laughs> I've got a purpose. I could turn my tragedy into triumph, my mess, into my ministry. And I pray, Father, for new ministry assignments to come forward. I pray for new relationships and stronger friendships to happen, Lord. I pray for fresh vision, Lord. I just pray that you release all those things right now. In Jesus' name, I bless our church, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: When Lance was struggling with anxiety, over the years I always filled the home with music Christian music worship music, inspirational music because I knew that that would get the devil out and it was a process and I had to be his strength and I had to look to God for my strength because I couldn't look anywhere else and so I challenge you if you are struggling with anxiety fill your home with God and don't let God I'm just gonna pray and if you want prayer please come up and let us pray with you because it is so prevalent in this world everywhere I look every day I come against this and we need to walk in freedom we need to walk in freedom so let's pray Father I pray that you would be with us Father as we walk through this world Father and Lord that anxiety, fear, depression has to leave and we do not want it. We do not want to walk in that bondage. We want to walk in freedom. So we will walk in freedom. We will walk in your love and your peace and we will walk together and we will hold hands and we will say to the devil, no more, no more. We walk and we will stand together with you in Jesus name. Amen.
0: want prayer just come on up just be bold enough just to come on up and, and we'll pray no one's perfect here we're all the same nobody's going to judge you nobody there's not like a sign on your back this is your less than if you if you come on up and let's do this i'm just going to dismiss the rest of you and if you want to come up and grab one of us and pray then one of the elders or wives uh, will be up here and we'll just agree with you together god bless you guys Next Sunday, five ways to get out. I'm going to share. Invite someone. Come back. It's going to be a great day. You're dismissed.